Hello everyone, and welcome to Refinery Life Australia. I'm Gary Hogan, I'm the Senior Pastor and Lead Elder of Refinery Life Church on the beautiful Gold Coast. If you're on the Gold Coast, come and join us as we meet together and we share in the Word of our Lord. We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 222 Turpin Road, Labrador. And more details are available on our website, which is www.refinerylife.org. And today we're beginning a new series on Jesus' seven sayings from the cross. It's titled, Jesus Speaks from the Cross. And today we're talking about dealing kindly with an erring one. The text we're concentrating on is Luke 23, 34. It says, And Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing his clothes among themselves. And the scriptures will work through a Luke 23, 27 to 38. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, we are grateful for your your constant care and for the assurance that you love us, inspire us, in spite, sorry, Lord, of of our unworthiness and our sin. Even as your love is poured into our hearts, Lord, by the Holy Spirit, who you have given us, May we spread our love by a spirit that reflects the compassion of our Saviour. May our offering reflect our love for all people everywhere, especially those who have never heard the message of Jesus Christ. We dedicate our money to service, Lord. But even more than that, we ask that you will use us personally, sharing the good news through an effective witnessing. It's in Jesus' name that we pray today. Amen. A man who was not able to speak was once asked to define forgiveness. He took out a pencil and he wrote, It is the beautiful fragrance a flower yields when it's trampled upon. Everyone knows the smell of freshly cut grass. And words can be like windows. They let us see into the speaker's mind and the speaker's heart. The first recorded phrase that we have of Jesus from the cross is a prayer to his Father to forgive those who put him there. The first of the seven words from the cross shows us that the Saviour knew what he was doing when he died at Calvary. Three of these sayings were addressed to God and four to people. And though they were spoken at different times and for various purposes, there is an unmistakable unity The first one, in a sense, was the foundation for the other six. That's where we're going today. For unless Jesus had possessed the forgiving spirit toward those who crucified him, he could never have been the world's saviour. Think of it. It's the worst moment in history. Whatever other tragedies the world has witnessed, none even come close to this ghastly scene. The best man who had ever lived was killed like a common criminal. Men who were not even worthy to be in the same world with Jesus, dared to condemn him. Others who were equally sinful implemented the decision and executed him. What an image of mixed up justice that is. But God overrules human ignorance and sin. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.16, And great, we confess, is the mystery, the hidden truth of godliness 
He, Jesus Christ, who was revealed in human flesh, was justified and vindicated in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. How true is that? Nowhere is this better illustrated than when God took the cruelest thing humankind ever did and channeled it into his redemptive purpose. Centuries earlier, one of Israel's greatest prophets said in the coming of the coming, sorry, of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53:10, we know this scripture. Yet the Lord was willing to crush him, it says, cursing him to suffer if he would give himself as a guilt offering, an atonement for sin. He shall see his spiritual offspring. He shall prolong his days. And the will, the good pleasure of the Lord, shall proceed, so sorry, shall succeed and prosper in his hand. This certainly doesn't mean that God took delight in Jesus' sufferings. Rather, it means that Jesus' death had God's approval because it was in accordance with his eternal will. The Savior who died on Calvary in history was slain in the heart of God from the foundation of the world. God took human hatred and used it to demonstrate divine love. He's in the process of doing that even today. Jesus has been paradoxically called the one who was far too good to be saved, but he's also the one who did something by dying. On Calvary's hill that faithful day, there were three deaths and three kinds of deaths. One man died in sin because he rejected divine love. The other died pardoned from sin because at the last hour he pleaded for mercy. The one in the middle cross died for sin because he was the only one that could. Death came to the unrepentant sinner, as one writer put it, like the world's last wind, dark, sterile and hopeless. But to Jesus, death came in a sudden shaft of light as the sun sticking in its way to etch out the shadows. During those six hours that Jesus hung on the cross, his eyes revealed a great, even though brooding, glory. Few people could see the light of that glory, but it was there. The sinless was made sin in order that sinners might be made sinless. But this is not universalism. This is not universal reconciliation. Let's remember what the gospel teaches. For people to be saved, they must repent of their sins and place their faith in the Savior. That's when Jesus cried out to the Father with an exhortation to the Father to forgive them, for they do not what they are doing. He was not calling on God to save these people against their will. As omnipotent as our God is, he has limited himself by our human free will. God's love for the world does not mean that he will save the world. It only means that he has provided the way in which the world can be saved. What is forgiveness? In the sense of salvation, it is an action that releases us from the guilt and the consequences of our unrighteous acts and attitudes. This requires repentance on the part of those who wish to be forgiven. 
Paul used the word justification to describe the state of those who have begun the Christian life. These individuals have been pardoned from the guilt of their unregenerate hearts. Since the primary meaning of the word forgive is to remove, we often speak of being justified once when we begin our Christian life. But our sins are forgiven regularly as we pray to God and ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness removes the sin that mars our daily fellowship with Him. This may be, in a sense, an oversimplification, but basically this is the distinction between forgiveness and justification. Forgiveness can mean something else, though. It can be forthgiving of oneself in renewed feelings of friendliness and renewed activity of a friendly purpose. In this sense, one seeks to restore a soul union between the one who wronged and the one who was wronged. This is why we must forgive to understand God's forgiveness. Those who have never forgiven another one do not truly understand what it takes to play, takes place when God, for Christ's sake, forgives them. Jesus presented God as, father, as a father who meets the prodigal son with an offer of forgiveness. He practiced this in his ministry so many times. Thus, when Jesus asked God to forgive them, he was doing the very thing that he taught his own followers to do in Matthew 5.44. Let's have a look at it. It says, But I say to you, love that is unselfishly, seek the best or higher good for your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. Implicit in the prayer from the cross was the request that God would lead his enemies to be sorry for this terrible sin, sorry enough to repent and to return to the Saviour. It is possible, think about this, it is possible that some of the very people who had part in the crucifixion later accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Do you have a forgiving spirit? If you can't forgive, then I hope you never sin. Those of us who fail to show compassion and forgiveness without exception have the most faults themselves and are the most merciless when it comes to watching others and finding faults in others. From the scalp of their head to the soles of their feet, they are full of jealousy and criticism and hypocrisy. As we finish up, we need to say one more thing about forgiveness. Are you a forgiven person? We become a Christian only by experiencing the forgiveness of God through what Jesus Christ did on that cross in atonement and perfected in the resurrection from the grave. The prayer of Jesus was not for God to wink at the sin of ignorance and approve of it, nor was it a request for a blanket pardon for the sin of his murderers. Neither was it a request for God to thrust forgiveness on those who did not want it. His prayer was a request that condemnation of those who killed him be held in abeyance until they might know the true meaning of what they were doing and repent. God has done this for you if you have not yet been saved. He has not cancelled the consequences of your guilt, but he has postponed the consequence so that you might have time to receive Christ as your saviour. Will you do it? Will you do it? Will you accept him? And as I do every week, I want to encourage you to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us. 
that we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him and He can make you whole, spirit, soul and body if you will allow Him to. You're important to God, you know that already, but you're also important to us at the refinery. When it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal His promises to you. So whatever you're concerned about and need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. And until next time, stay in the blessings. <laughs>